Hello, this is Dr. Mike Barnett with the First Baptist Church of Ocean Springs, Mississippi. Thank you so very much for tuning in to our podcast, and I pray that today's message will be a blessing and an encouragement to you. We are engaging our people at First Baptist Church in an emphasis called Who's Your Mission? It is a challenge to personal soul winning and personal evangelism for the year 2023. We've asked our people to ask God for at least one soul to be burdened for that they might go after that soul and win them to the Lord Jesus Christ. That is the theme of these current messages. And I pray that they will encourage you to be a soul winner and go after one soul that needs to be saved now and to know Jesus now. I pray these messages will help you. And again, thank you for tuning in. Thank you, Jay, and choir, and orchestra, and church for singing to the Lord today. Amen. Wasn't that a wonderful time of music? I love our music. I'm so grateful for it. Well, this has been a fascinating week. On behalf of uh, myself and uh, our Jay and Cole and our lovely wives, I want to thank you for the wonderful dinner last week and the Great uh, recognition and, and accolades and statements of appreciation. Uh, we're very grateful for that, and we are uh, blessed to, to be here. Uh, we all always talk about how blessed we are to be here at First Baptist Church of Ocean Springs. And I will say from my own ministry's perspective, it's always a blessing to preach here and, and uh, be the steward of this pulpit and um, I just want to thank you for the privilege of, of keeping me here. Amen? I'm reminded sometimes of that uh, pastor who came home one night after church, and he threw his Bible down, and his wife said, What's wrong? And he said, I'm not going back till they take back what they said. She said, Honey, you can't just quit going to church. I'm not going back till they take back what they said. Well, what did they say? They said, Get out and don't come back. But anyway, I'm so grateful I've never heard those words in my ministry. Uh, I might have heard them mumbled, but I've never heard them. Laugh. No, but we are blessed to be here. It's a privilege and a blessing, and we take it very seriously. So thank you for your wonderful accolades. And like I started, this has been a great week, a very unique week, uh, a busy week uh, at First Baptist Church. Um, let me just give you a, a brief overview of this um, week's uh, activities, okay? Uh, first of all, we had um, brides, blessings, and Bibles. That's what it's been about uh, this last um, uh, week. And um, so many things going on. When we have recognitions to make, and announcements to make, we plan pretty thoroughly when we're going to make them, and we, we guard our time, and we've got to protect ourselves from announcements that really could be made in a different setting. But today, I'm, I'm preaching on it takes a church. 
it takes a church. And so I've just thought I would make the announcements and count some blessings that we have in our midst uh, as I began to preach because, folks, the church is uh, the body of Christ and it's the body of Christ on mission. It's the body of Christ encouraging one another and ministering to one another. But it's also uh, being the steward of what God has given us. So I want to uh, point out uh, a couple of things we need to talk about real quickly. First of all, and I will add least of all in the introduction of this message, is we need to have a special called business meeting on the 26th of October. That's a Wednesday. Our Constitution says when we have a special called business meeting, it needs to be announced in two services. And uh, this is the first service in which we will announce it. And we'll announce it again Wednesday night unless I forget, and I'll come back and do it on Sunday. But uh, it is the 26th at 6.15 before we dismiss for our activities. It seems that the city is asking us for an easement. It's to our benefit in reality, but that's for you to decide uh, on the front wanting to have a new sidewalk out front that apparently the trees are starting to push up the sidewalks. And uh, I'm going to tell you more about that at the business meeting, but we got to vote on that. We just can't say, our, our building and grounds people can't say absolutely on something this uh, like this because it does affect church property and I say anytime church wants to give us, a city wants to give us concrete, take it. But nonetheless, that's your decision. And I didn't say that to influence you in either way. But that's October the 26th, Wednesday night, 615. You know, that's part of the church too, is being wise stewards, isn't it? And then another part of the church is celebration. Celebration. Dear to me is Kent and Kathy Johnson. Kathy was... Uh, one of our ministry assistants when I moved here 21 years ago or so, and she was so faithful, always encouraging. My kids were small, and she loved my kids. And her and Kent celebrate this month 53 years of marriage. Would you all stand up? Stand up. 53 years of marriage. Isn't that wonderful? Oh, boy, that's tremendous. And they're such wonderful people and faithful People, Kent sends me pictures of his uh, deer and uh, out there at his feeder, and uh, they're just wonderful, faithful. Thank you so much. We love you. And then also today, I'm going to ask if Cole and Allison Rayford would stand. Cole and Allison, they unite with our church today. They unite with our church family, and we're so glad. We're so glad to have them and their wonderful family. We enjoyed some sweet fellowship with them. Uh, the other night at their home, and, and uh, you know, I don't believe you fall in love with people. Don't tell your wives, I saw you and just fell in love. What was it, some kind of accident? I mean, you know, I fall off a log when I'm rabbit hunting. I don't, I don't uh, fall, but I want to tell you what, they make it easy to choose to love them. Amen. Isn't the church a wonderful thing? The church is a wonderful thing. Amen. And our church is a great church indeed. Well, turn with me in your Bibles to Acts chapter 11. Uh, we're going to start with verse um, 19. And this is a message to encourage you in our emphasis that we're dealing with. Who's your mission? 
And if you recall, we didn't mention this last week, but we did the week before. We're challenging each other in our church family to do six things beginning now. Number one, rededicate yourself to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, who said, All authority is given under heaven unto me. Go ye therefore and preach the gospel and teach all nations and baptize the converts and train them in the ways of the Lord. That's what Jesus, our Lord, told us to do. And we call upon each one of us to rededicate yourself to the authority and lordship of Jesus. Second of all, we're asking you now to pray and ask God to burden you with at least one soul, one soul who is lost and needs to be saved, needs to be born again, a child, a relative, a grandchild, a neighbor, a teammate, a schoolmate, a friend, anyone who needs to be saved now, who needs to be saved now. And you pray and ask God to give you a burden for at least one. It's amazing. People say, can I have more than one? Well, you can have as many as God lays upon your heart, but just at least one. And then third, will you make that person your mission? Make it your goal. Paul said, this one thing I do, make it this one thing you do. Strive to reach that person to the point where you sit down with them with a New Testament, a, a, a whole Bible, and you open up to them the Word of God and show them the way of salvation and draw the net and ask them to be saved. Make that person your mission. Also, we are asking you to put that person on our church mission list of who's your missions. And you can do that with their initials. You can do that with their full name. You can do it any way you want. But uh, your name and their name. So the church at large can pray for them like you pray for them. And we can pray for you and ask God to orchestrate providential moments when you can strengthen that relationship and Share the gospel. Also, will you commit to pray for the missions of your church family? Be a prayer warrior for yourself and everybody else who's on mission. And then we ask you to make this commitment public and formal on January 22nd, 2023. We got a wonderful way to... Keep it before the people, but we got to have the missions. We got to have who they are, and and uh, to, in order to keep it before you. And we're going to ask you to make that formal commitment. And so, in light of this challenge, in this call, in this method and opportunity of obeying Christ, we've been preaching on personal work and personal evangelism and personal soul winning. And um, we come today to preach on the subject, it takes a church. And so let's read the text. Acts chapter 11, verse 19. Now they which were scattered abroad upon the persecution that arose about Stephen traveled as far as Phoenice or Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch, preaching the word to none but unto the Jews only. 
And some of them were men of Cyprus and Cyrene. Some of those scattered were of men of Cyprus and Cyrene, which when they were come to Antioch, spake unto the Greeks, preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number believed and turned to the Lord. Alexander McLaren, the great... Uh, preacher from days gone by, many days gone by, who I enjoy reading, said of this text, thus simply does the historian tell one of the greatest events in the history of the church. Now, as I read the text, I don't imagine a one of us thought this is one of the greatest events in the history of the church. If I were to ask you what was the greatest event in the history of the church, you might say Pentecost. Some of you might say, when Dr. Mike came here. <laughs> Others may say, it hadn't happened yet, Dr. Mike, and kind of wink your eye like, your day's coming. I don't know. But as I thought about that quote and this text, I hear what that preacher from days gone by is saying, and it is truly one of the greatest times in church history, the church at Antioch. This church became one of the greatest churches in all of the history of the local church and local churches in the world, the church at Antioch. Why would we say such a thing? Well, I want to give you three reasons. And these are applicable even today in our own church family here at First Baptist Church. First of all, the church at Antioch had a great providence behind it. These events that we read about had a great providence attached to them. Sometimes in the Scripture, it is the littlest, smallest of the words that say the most. And here it is in verse 19, now. You could also translate it, so then. As a result of what was happening in their world, these things happened and they came to Antioch. This is a text that is loaded with the providence of God. You know, First Baptist Church has a providence of God. You may not know this, but at one time, standing on this property right here was a theater. Did you know that? It was a theater. Isn't that incredible? I went to, uh, walked across the street for something at City Hall upon a day a couple of weeks ago, and there was a lady in there, and she asked me if I was who I was, and I said, I am who I am, and she said, you know, my descendants, my ancestors, not descendants, their descendants aren't here yet, but my ancestors, they founded, helped found First Baptist Church, your church. And I said, well, that's wonderful. What were their names? And she mentioned a name I'd never heard before in connection with the church. And I kind of checked it out, and she was right. She was right. So I went back over there, and I said, you need to come back home to First Baptist Church. But uh, this church has a great providence. 
And the Antioch church had a great providence. Let me just tell you some of the great providences here and get, get, get the whole picture of what happens here. In Acts chapter 7, Stephen, the deacon, is preaching. And that man really preached. And somebody didn't like it. And Stephen was stoned to death. You remember that? They stoned him to death. And he saw heaven opened up and the Lord standing. And it was a great witness. Stephen's one of the heroes of the church. And they stoned him. And as a result, the persecution just kind of came in a flood. And these people had to scatter from Jerusalem in the area. In Acts chapter 8, the persecution of the saints in Jerusalem, the church is scattered some more. And Philip goes to Samaria and has a great revival in Samaria. In Acts chapter 9, the man by the name of Saul who would become Paul... Acts chapter 9 is traveling to persecute the church and God saves him in a most remarkable conversion experience and it is incredible. And God lines him up with a, a disciple and helps him out and gets him connected and uh, gets him connected with Barnabas and Paul has his founding in the church. But in the early days, right after he was converted, you remember that um, there in Damascus, some people heard he had been saved and he was preaching the gospel and they decided they wanted to kill him. Remember that? And they put him and they had to get him out of town, so they put him in a basket and lowered him down the walls of the basket so he could escape. Wonderful Bible story in the book of Acts. And um, we don't hear from Paul again until Acts chapter 13. And then Acts chapter 10, Peter upon the housetop, and he uh, sees a vision, and he sees that sheep come down, and it has all kinds of animals. It has venison, it has... Um, I mean, all kinds of animals, and I imagine it even had pork. And the Lord says, take and eat. And Peter says, oh, no, I'm not going to eat that. I'm a faithful Jew. I've never eaten anything that's unclean. And one of the greatest words in all of the scriptures, take and eat. Amen. Boy, aren't you glad that the dietary laws have been fulfilled. Amen. And we can eat ribs and pork chops and then the, and, yes, and bacon and ranch dressing I got to preach you got me off on another sermon but anyway if I gave an invitation now 400 people would join the church but anyway I won't tell you what happened though he showed him that because a knock would come on the door and there would be a Gentile man seeking truth. Not only a Gentile man, but a Roman. Not only a Roman, but a Roman soldier. Not only a Roman soldier, but a Roman centurion. And he'd be seeking the Lord. And God, in providence, gave Peter that vision to say, I'm going to save all people groups. 
the, the Gentiles and the Romans and all as well. And the first full-blooded Gentile would come to Christ. Acts chapter 11, in this providential chain, Peter goes back to Jerusalem and he has to explain to Jewish believers that Gentiles were being saved. And verse 18 says, When they heard these things, they held their peace and glorified God, saying, Then hath God granted grace and repentance of the Gentiles. It was during all this time that the events of our text began to take shape in the city of Antioch, some 300 miles away. Now notice while the church at Antioch is taking shape, persecution breaks out in Jerusalem. Some awful things begin to happen. And we have the events of Acts 12 taking place. Look at verse 1. Now about that time Herod the king stretched forth his hands to vex certain of the church. And he killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. And it pleased the Jews. It pleased the Jews. And so he went after Peter. And he arrested Peter. And he was going to execute Peter. And the Bible says down in verse 7, Peter's in prison. And um, he's, uh, he's asleep. And the Bible says, And behold, the angel of the Lord came upon him, and a light shined in the prison. And he smote Peter on the side and raised him up and said, Get up and come quickly. And his chains fell from off his hands. And the angel said unto him, Gird thyself and bind on thy sandals. And so he did. And he went out and he said, You know, get your, gar get your clothes on. You, you got to come with me. And the Lord delivered Peter from Herod's executioner. I was having supper a few months back in Jackson with a group of preachers, and one of them said, if you could go back in Bible history to any particular time and talk to anybody about anything, what would it be? And he asked the guy next to me first, and I'm glad he did because I was at a loss. And he got on around, and I, my answer was, I don't know. There's just so many things. But when I read that the other day, wouldn't you like to talk to Peter or at least be in that room when that angel came down and just kicked the dog out of Peter to wake him up? Amen. Got him up. Get going. While all that was going on, the events of our text in Antioch were taking place. What was happening in this providence was the fulfillment of what Jesus said when he told his disciples and us, but you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come, on you, come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses. You shall be my witnesses in all in Jerusalem, in all Judea, and in Samaria, and into the uttermost parts of the earth. In other words, you're going to be my witnesses when you're filled with the Holy Spirit. And you're going to witness for the gospel of Christ. You're going to witness with people who hate you there in Jerusalem. And you're also going to witness to people who you hate. That's the Samaritans. And you're going to preach to people you don't even know. That's the far corners of the world. And this is what's happening. That text is being fulfilled. And as a result of all this persecution... 
these saints of God began to scatter. Some of them went up to Phoenicia, up in the north, Tyre and Sidon area. But others went to uh, Cyprus, an island off the coast of Syria. And um, it was an amazing thing how they scattered. But then some men, Christian people, men and their families, no doubt, from Cyprus and Cyrene, landed in Antioch. This great providence put them in place, put these Christian believers in place. Where has the providence of God put you in place? Where? Do you think for one minute, dear believer, that you have your job at Chevron or Ingalls or the school because you went to college and got a degree and they said, we like him or her, we're going to hire them. No, sir. You're there by the providential hand, guiding hand of Almighty God to be his witness of the Lord Jesus Christ. Aren't you special? Yes, you are. And so God got them there. These unnamed saints of God. These unnamed saints of God. And that leads us to our next point. It was a great providence for a great people. The people saved by the Lord. You know what the greatest thing about these believers are? They were not apostles. They were not pastors. They weren't ministers of music or family ministers. They were men and no doubt women and young people who just knew the Lord and they loved Jesus. One of the greatest terms of the church is this term, lay people. Lay people. A.K.A. laymen. Lay people. These were lay people. They were not ordained ministers who'd gone to seminary and got degrees to help them in their ministries. They were lay people. They were like most of the membership of the First Baptist Church of Ocean Springs, Mississippi. The church of Antioch was started by soul-winning lay people who shared the gospel where God providentially put them and led people to Christ. The preachers weren't involved, folks. I mean, just think of the, the story of providence I've just told you. Stephen was rocking and rolling in heaven. Philip was preaching in, in, in Samaria. Paul was a basket case outside of Damascus. Peter was being kicked around by an angel in Jerusalem. The preachers weren't anywhere around. The providence of God got those lay people there and they said, this is where God's put us. This is where we're going to set down roots. This is where we're going to be obedient and we're going to share the gospel. We're going to do this great work. This among the greatest works of God in history was done by lay people just like you. Lay people. It's an amazing thing. What made them so great? Well... Let me give you three things real quick. First of all, they understood the great purpose of the church. They were dispersed 
probably had lost loved ones, had lost property, no doubt, but they knew the greatness of their purpose on earth to fulfill the Great Commission. These people saw the tragedies they faced, the hardships they faced, and they turned them into venues for their purpose. They took what was troublesome and grievous to them and said, this is the context from which we will share the gospel and fulfill the Great Commission. Everything that happened to them, they turned it for the Great Commission to win souls to Jesus. You know, after Katrina, I was just about a week or so after Katrina, I was riding with one of our law enforcement guys around around the area, and we were looking for uh, people who uh, were, well, loved ones would call and say, hey, my cousin, my brother, my family member's down there, and we hadn't heard from them since the storm, and can you go check them? So the police would come get me, and we'd ride around trying to find those people. Fortunately, we found every one of them. But on a day, we were riding, and, and uh, there was a fellow on the side of the road with a trailer full of generators. And he was selling those generators. And the police officer says, you mind if I stop here and we got to deal with this? And I said, man, I'm on your time. Go right ahead. And it was illegal. The price was being gouged and, and all that stuff. And he didn't have permits. And they had had problems with him before. And, and uh, so I go to get out of the truck. He said, you stay here. But anyway... I did. I've always learned to obey the law, whether I'm in their car or not. But anyway, um, I stayed there, but I rode down the window. And I heard the man say, man, you're taking away a great opportunity for me to make some money. This storm, people need these generators. It's a great opportunity. Now, he was illegal, but he seized the opportunity. And I admire that man. You know what? Jesus gave a parable about a, a crooked servant one day and he came back around and said, you know what? Lost people do that. You need to have more intelligence than lost people than what we do. And just like that generator man illegally seized an opportunity, we need to gloriously see, seize our opportunities. And these people in Antioch saw it as the great purpose of the church was not for them to be comfortable, was, although that's a blessing, it wasn't for them to be okay and at ease. It was for them to take every providential move of God and use it as an opportunity to share the gospel. They took their tragedy and it became a venue with which they would share the gospel. So they recognized the great purpose of the church. They recognized the great providence of God. These men and their families were Cypriot and Cyrenian Jews, followers of Christ who settled in Antioch. And they began to speak to the Gentiles, the Greeks. More than likely, these people were Greek-speaking Jews, and they shared the gospel. And men became Christians, and people started following Christ as they recognized the great providence of God. Now, you've got to understand, they were in a terrible city. It was awful. Antioch was a pagan, godless city. It's the third largest city of the Roman Empire, second only to Rome and Alexandria. 
And it was a terrible, terrible place. But they understood that's where they needed to serve the Lord. That's where they needed to go. It was such a wicked city that one of the um, Roman poets made this comment about the city of Antioch. He said, The sewage of the Syrian Orontes, that's the Orontes River that flows through Antioch. He says, The sewage of the Orontes flows and is discharged into the Tiber. The Tiber was the river that ran right through Rome. That's what they thought about Antioch. It was so corrupt and wicked, it affected Rome itself some 1,300 miles away. But these people realized that they were there by the providence of God. And thirdly, they realized they were there and they understood the power of the gospel. And they started sharing Christ and people's lives were changed. Let me share something with you. This, this city is about 300 miles north of Jerusalem. It's, um, it is uh, where they worshipped the god Artemis, the Greek god Artemis, and it was the sanctuary of Apollos. It had a population of about 200,000 people, and the most licentious, wicked worship of these pagan gods would go on there. But they, what did they do? They believed in the power of the gospel. They just believe that God's Word could prevail in people's lives. Folks, it's not about your persuasive ability. It's not about you, uh, anything that you will say or do. It's the power of the gospel. Let's just believe the gospel. Aren't you thankful that we don't have to have horse and pony shows and, and smoke machines and all kinds of, uh, of theatrics to get people? Uh, look, Someone wants to do that, that's fine. But I want to tell you what you do to get them, you got to do to keep them. And if you get them by sideshows, you got to come up with a better sideshow. I'd just rather just declare Jesus saves, you're a sinner, Jesus saves, you need to trust Christ, preach the gospel, and let God's power work in people's lives. And that's what these great lay people realized. And they went on, and, and, and it was a remarkable thing. But not only did they have a great providence behind them, and not only were they a great people who believed and, and, and were focused on these things and knew of the purpose and the providence and the power of the gospel, but also they were a great people within a great providence just like us who took the opportunity to make a great proclamation. They proclaimed the gospel of Christ. Now, I want to share something with you. In our text, it talks about how they preached the Lord Jesus. They were preaching the Lord Jesus. Now, I know that word intimidates people. But the word proclaimed and preached in this text is not the word for what I'm doing now. That word is caruso, to formally proclaim and preach and expound the Scriptures. Paul told Timothy with the instructions to the pastor, I charge thee before God, who will judge the quick and the dead, preach the word, caruso, preach the word. He's talking to Timothy, the young preacher. 
But here, this word, preach and proclaim, is a totally different word. Euangelizo. And it has to do with proclaiming the good news. To bring the good news. To speak glad tidings. That is what lay people do. They speak the good tidings. This is lay people. Alexander McLaren, that man I quoted a while ago, he also said this about this text. He said, surely anybody can deliver that message. Uh, surely anybody can deliver that message who has had that experience. All have not the gifts that would fit them for public speech, but all who have tasted that the Lord is gracious can tell someone how gracious he is. Amen. I love that quote. I'm going to read it. All have not the gifts that would fit them for public speech. Sometimes I wonder if I've got it. But all don't have that. But all who have tasted that the Lord is gracious can tell someone how gracious he is. Now, folks, I want to tell you, you might be resisting who's our mission, but if you're saved, you can do it because you've experienced the grace of God. Amen. And if you persist in that, it may be because you don't have anything to share. Huh? You, you can't give away bread if you don't have any bread. But I want to tell you what, if you've got the bread of life and you've been saved, you've got something to share. You say, well, what will I say? Just say the same thing that the person who led you to Christ said. And as a matter of fact, you don't have to come up with anything to say. God's given us the Roman road. God's given us the scriptures. Anybody who's been saved can win somebody to Jesus. It's not that hard because you've got a great providence behind you. You've got the great power of the gospel and the persuasive work of the Holy Spirit. And I want to tell you, if the Holy Spirit's working, you can't keep them from wanting to hear the gospel. And if the Holy Spirit's not working, you might as well be talking to that wall right there and you'll soon know it. So a great providence, a great proclamation. Now look what happens when these lay people proclaim the good news. It's all in verse 21 of our text. It's all right there. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number believed and turned unto the Lord. First of all, the hand of the Lord was with them. You don't labor alone. You're not going to be on mission alone. The hand of blessing and guidance and warmth of encouragement will be with you. Dear friend, isn't it wonderful to know Jesus and have him with you and have his hand with you? You know what? I've been with people who have been sick, and they've said to me, Preacher, I'm, I've been saved, and the hand of the Lord is with me now. I know when you go through hard times and you go through difficult things, the hand of the Lord is on you. And that's wonderful, and I will preach that and believe that and experience that and praise God with you on that. But dear friend, don't you want to have the hand of the Lord not simply when you go through something? How about getting the hand of the Lord when you do something? That's good preaching whether you like it or not. I want to stand before God and say, thank you for your hand that guided me through things, but thank you for your hand when I did something. Amen. The good hand of the Lord, as Nehemiah says. Man, it's more than what we go through. It's what we do. Also, people will be saved. You will win more people to Christ if you proclaim the good news of Jesus. Who's your mission? 
I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've gotten up early in the morning to go out and go sit on the shooting house and walk out and it's 15 degrees and turn around and look at my friend and say, you sure you want to go? And what does he say? Well, we ain't going to kill nothing in here. Amen. And I say, well, I'm going to tell you what, Walmart done killed that beef. I'll just go get that beef, 15 degrees. No, I go and, and uh, always glad I went. But I want to tell you something. You're not going to win anybody to Jesus till you get on mission. You're not going to win anybody. Nobody's going to be saved if you don't get on mission. These people got on mission, and people got saved. Who's your mission? And then you will see the work of Christ in their lives. The greatest thing is to see the work of God in people's lives and the change he makes in people's lives. It's so wonderful and blessed to see that. But one more thing happened when this church got on mission. These lay people had many people come to Christ. They formed the church that would be the church in history to launch the missionary movement. This is the church where Paul and Barnabas would consider their home base. Stan Gartman, this is where Paul and Barnabas were sent out from. This is the church that laid the hands on Paul and Barnabas and opened the door for them to go. And the worldwide missionary movement of the gospel of Christ got started right here when a group of laymen who had lost everything they had show up and say, well, we've got the providence of God, we've got the power of the gospel and the ability to proclaim it. Let's do it. And that church sent out, this church is why you're here saved and heaven bound. Amen. These lay people, I don't know their names. I just know they were from Cyprus and, and, and settled in Syria there. I just know that. That's what the Bible tells me. But when you get to heaven, look them up because they just sat down and shared the gospel with other laymen. A church was formed. Then they got the pastor in there, and then they sent them out, and we're here because of these people. Do you see why McLaren called it the greatest thing that ever happened in church history? So what do you want us to do, Dr. Mike? Well, I've already given you those six things, but let's kind of focus it on down. First of all, pray. You pray for that burden. You know what? There's... there's um, there's a lot of things we can do in addition to prayer, but there's nothing we need to do until we pray. And so pray uh, like we're challenging you to do for your mission. Second of all, this is how you start. Get this card. Now, this card is sitting right out there, and it's, uh, it's the Who's Your Mission card, and it has, uh, first thing it says is, please print. Now, they put that on there for me. But anyway, your name and your mission. Who do you want to see saved? Who are you burdened for? Their relationship, how old they are, and uh, where they live. If somebody asked me, preacher, does our mission need to leave here? Let me tell you something. The Bible says go into all the world, so I don't care where they live. If they need to be saved, they need to be saved. And isn't it wonderful you can be saved in Ocean Springs, Mississippi, just like you can in Dallas, Texas? You sure can. And so location and where they are, where they're from. You know, if they're not from here... We might be able to send them cards if, if God opens a door for that and, and that kind of thing. And any special notes you want us to know, and you could get that card right out here. 
Now, we know we've got to exit over here. We've got to exit back there, one there, one there, one there, and, and people don't go by there. So it's on the website. You can fill this out on the website. What's our website? FBCOSMS.com. You click that, and right on the line you'll see, uh, I think there's one thing, and then the second thing along that little subline is who's your mission. You clicked who's your mission. There's a video that we've done to explain who's your mission, and then you click... Uh, you click um, who's your mission or something. I don't know what it says. I looked at it this morning and already forgotten. But you click it. It's right there. You can't miss it. And it'll take you to this card and you can do it online. But you can start now. We weren't going to start doing this till much later. But we had so many people coming to us, giving us names and saying, can they be my mission? Can Listen, if they lost and they need to be saved now, they can be your mission. Get them on there. And so we just said, let's get these cards out and let people start getting it done and filling them out. And uh, I want to tell you, folks, uh, God will honor this. The same thing that happened to these lay people at Antioch will happen to you. You'll see God move people. You'll see people get saved and be used by God in miraculous, wonderful ways. But you got to go. You got to do. You got to do. And so who's your mission and then lastly, I want to tell you what you need to do. Maybe you are a mission. Maybe today you are a mission. You've never been saved. You don't know where you'd spend eternity if you died today. You, you're confused about that. Or maybe you do know that if you died today, you'd be in hell because you don't know Jesus and your sins are still on you. They hadn't been forgiven by the Lord and you need to be saved. And I want to tell you what you need to do. First of all, you need to talk to the Lord and you need to confess to him and say, you know what, I know I'm a sinner. I know, Lord. I know of my attitude toward people. I know of my profanity. I know of my adultery. I know you're right, it's sin. It's sin. I know my sins. I agree with you that I'm a sinner because he's speaking to you. And then you pray, God, forgive me. God, forgive me. And then you say, I want to trust. I want to rely on what you did with your son on the cross when he died for my sins and was buried and rose again. He took my sin and he took your judgment of my sin on the cross. I believe that. I'm trusting in that. Not what I can do. And then you say, Lord, today I turn to you and I want to repent. Now, folks, you've got to repent to be saved. You've got to have this desire and this will to give up sin, to give up sin. That means, folks, you're going to have to take measures because you want to turn from your sin and turn to the Lord Jesus Christ. You might need to move out of where you're living today. But if you're not going to repent, God's not going to save you. Repent, he said, or you all likewise perish. That's his first message he ever preached on planet Earth. Repent, or you all likewise perish. And you've got to turn to Christ. Repentance is turning away from sin and turning to Christ. And you quit trusting your own way, and you turn to Christ, and you call upon him, and you ask him to save you. And he will. He will save you. Because that's what he said. Whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And so maybe you're a mission. 
And if that's something you're interested in today, it's because the Holy Spirit of God has made, him, made you His mission. He loves you that much. And that's what we need to do. And I invite you to do it. I invite you to do it right now in your heart. And then you come forward in our invitation. And you say, I've been saved. You say, I'll be standing up front. You just come and say, Preacher, I want to be saved from my sin. I need Christ as Savior. And we will help you. We'll guide you along in the Word of God. And God will save you. Maybe God's leading you to join our church. And uh, I want to tell you, that's what, this is where we're going to be focused for a long time on who's your mission in personal evangelism. Uh, we're going to be uh, challenging people. We're going to be preaching and worshiping and, and making disciples. And I pray that you would, would come if the Lord's leading you. Let's stand for our song of appeal. This is Cole Andrews. Thank you for tuning in to our sermon podcast. I just wanted to encourage you to visit our website, fbcosms.com. 